Well, pull out your note outline. We've provided it for you this morning. This is round three of a Schedule Four rounder in a uh, series that I've themed, Symptoms of a Healthy Heart. You'll notice this morning on your note outline up at the top, I've titled the message, God's Favorite Word. If I were to ask you, what do you think God's favorite word is? That's one option. I want you to, to turn to your neighbor. What would be your guess? Now, we don't know for sure, but I'll tell you what I think it is after you t- to tell your neighbor. How many people, I want you to turn to your neighbor. I think God's favorite word is, and you tell the person sitting next to you what would be your guess. For some, it's, how many say love? Someone said that, okay, put your hand down. How many say faith? Grace, all right, number of people said that. The word come, believe, okay, thank you. All right, Uh, I think that God's favorite word is the word one. The word one of all things. We're gonna, and I'm I'm gonna develop that idea this morning, this whole idea of oneness and unity how crucial it is, not only from God's perspective, but from our perspective. It's not the kind of thing we talk about very much, but it is a a nugget of truth that will have a controlling influence on your marriage, on you as a person, on your relationship with others in the body of Christ, uh, and here in our church. Now, last Sunday morning... I gave you a little quiz, and some of you will remember this. Uh, It was a a quiz on nostalgia uh, that we talked about how many people remember skate keys and uh, buying pop bottles out of a uh, glass pop bottles out of a pop machine and and hula hoops. Several people came up to me after that last Sunday morning and said, you know what? Most of us older people uh, identify with that. You need to do one next week. You know where I'm going, don't you? That some other people in the congregation might be able to identify with. So, being a middle child and a pleaser, guess what we're going to do? There will only be 10 questions. 10 questions. Keep track. I want to see how you score out of 10. Are you ready? Buckle your seatbelts. Here we go. Number one. I see a lot of blank looks on your faces out there. What is this character's name? Now, I want you to look around when I ask for the answer. How many people know the answer? Consider their ages. If you get it right, you get one point. The answer is what? Gary. There's people who are still going, that makes no sense to me whatsoever. Okay, number two. How many people know what that is? Oh, a lot more people. You're feeling pretty good about yourself, aren't you? Pride cometh before a fall. That happens to be a Pokemon. Okay, let's go to the next one. Now, if you'd ask me, now that I'm 64, if somebody said, that is dope. And they say that when I'm at Niles High School all the time. What does that mean? 
That, look at these guys over here. Look at the scouts. That is so dope. That's so dope. How many people know exactly what that means? Or you think you know what it is? The, the answer I'm going to use either, even on, that in today's parlance for students, if something is dope, it means it's really, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm using my own idioms. It's cool. It's awesome. It's deadly. It's sweet. Yeah, I mean, isn't it funny how we use these? That this is a positive thing to say. When I do magic tricks at Niles High School, their response is, whoops, their response is, oh, that's so dope. And what's that mean? How many people got it right? Raise your hand. Oh, wow, most people said got it right. Okay, look at the next one. Bill Gaither Trio is not correct. How many people know for sure who they are? Uh-oh, not many people. How many people could name every person in that picture? Look at the hands in the air. That, my friends, are the Kardashian. Card- card- <laughs> Forgive me for not knowing. Kardashians. These are the Kardashian. Isn't this Kim Kardashian in the center? And is it Kendall and what else? Chloe or whatever? All right, okay, keep track of your score, next. This one's, this one, you got this one. Raise your hand if you know the answer. All right, these boots are made by whom? Ugh, tell you what, they're expensive. How many people own a pair of Uggs? Okay, there's a... All right, thank you very much. Next. Who recorded the song Poker Face? Boy Scouts over there, they know. Raise your hand if you know for sure. Answer is what? Lady Gaga, which means nothing to some of us, but that's, trust me, that's the correct answer. Next. If you know what R zero F L means, <laughs> the answer is no. How many know what that means? The answer is rolling on the floor laughing. Rolling on the floor laughing. And the next one. Every middle school kid will know the answer to this question. How about grandma and grandpa? Raise your hand if you know the answer to this question. The author of the series, R.L. Stein is correct. Very nice. And the next one. Dennis in the sound booth, you know that one. Raise your hand if you know the answer to this. That is an image from the game... Minecraft. Larry, how we doing, buddy? You're, you're, you're at zero, Larry. You know what? You're in good company. Next. <laughs> that is not the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, no. The answer is, raise your hand if you know the answer. Look at this. Only a dozen people know 
Todd, that is one direction. Yeah, so there's people in this room who could name the people in one direction. By the way, out of ten, if you got all ten correct, I want you to stand to your feet. If you got nine correct, former youth pastor right here, nine correct, Uh uh-oh, Look at the ages here. Pastor Earl, you're doing pretty good. Jim Schaefer, amen, brother. Okay, sit down. Raise your hand if you got eight correct. Whoa. Seven. How many would say you got zero correct on that? (laughs) David Carr proudly put his arm in the air immediately. Now, isn't it interesting, this little activity, isn't it fascinating We are a church that is multi-generational. You've got people, and I bet you you should have seen the the last group of hands, people who said, I have no idea what any of those were. There's other people who said, you know what, I knew most of them. Same thing happened last week when we did the whole nostalgia deal. Remember? Now, how, how do you have oneness and unity between people like this when they have nothing in common? The answer is they do have something in common. Name one thing we have in common. We have Jesus in common. We have grace in common. We have mutual love in common. We have a mutual purpose. I've got the Holy Spirit as you've got the Holy Spirit. We have the Word of God that's common to us. The reality is, Paul says, in Christ there is no male nor female, Jew or Gentile, Greek or or Hebrew, slave or free. We are one in Christ. I believe God's favorite word is the word one. As a matter of fact, do you know what is the most revered and famous verse to an Orthodox Jew. It's called the Shema. I've got it printed on your note outlines from Deuteronomy 6. Look at it, it's right there. By the way, this is the first, the first verse that a Jewish child will ever learn. This ver- or passage is quoted every morning and every night by Jews all over the world. It's called the Shema. You recognize these words. Now, most, if you'd ask most people what's the most important verse in the entire Bible or what's the most important verse to a Jew, this is what they'd say. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. In fact, Jesus, when he was asked what's the greatest commandment, that was his response. Above all, isn't it interesting how the verse begins? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is what? Did you know that? Now, why would, the ver- why would the passage start out that way? The Lord is, I didn't just, you know, we'll get rid of the preliminaries, we're just going to jump into it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's not what it is. The Lord your God is one. Well, what's it saying? Why would God say that? What he is saying is, the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, we, we are one in essence. 
We are one in unity. We, we are one in purpose. When one is active, all are active. And obviously, in, within the Godhead, God the Son is the one who died on the cross, not the Holy Spirit. See? For God did love his Son, God the Father. The Holy Spirit lives within my heart and was given uh, on the day of Pentecost. So each of the three members of the Godhead have got unique functions, but they are one. They are together. There is a oneness. If you're any mathematicians out, there, out here, what is an integer? An integer is a whole number. See, in math, you've got whole numbers, fractions, and mixed numerals. An integer is like seven, 14. That's an integer. We get the word integrity from that. A person of integrity is a person, their, their beliefs, their lifestyle, their words, their attitudes, they are, they're one. God says, I, the Lord your God, is one. And isn't it interesting, the highest picture of Christ's love for the church is what institution? I'll say it again. The highest picture, God gives lots of word pictures, of God the Father, Jesus' love for the church is marriage. And in marriage, he goes, and two shall, isn't that interesting? You see it throughout the scripture. Throughout the scripture, this idea of oneness, unity, you see it not only in the Shema, you, Jesus prayed, high priestly prayer, John 17, Father, I pray that they might be one as you and I are one. And then he does that, that whole pronoun thing of you and me and I and thee and us and them Oneness, so that the world might believe. Isn't that interesting? Because when the church, when marriages, when the church, when believers are not exhibiting oneness, you will be extremely limited in having any outreach. Because the Bible says, in the high priestly prayer of John 17, May they be one so that the world will know that thou hast sent me. It's a big deal. And what I want to do, we're going to take a peek this morning at Romans 15, verses 5 and 6. Look, I've got it printed there for you on your note outline. This is what the Apostle Paul says. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus so that with what? Say one heart. One heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now I want you to notice how the verse begins. Yes, God wants to give you endurance and encouragement. As a matter of fact, there's, there's a part of me that thinks, if I can just have endurance, God's power and God's strength and the ability to keep pressing, if I can have encouragement or endurance and a little encouragement, I'm good to go as a Christian. 
Lord, give me strength to keep putting one foot in front of the other and encourage me, I'm good to go. According to this, Bible, according to this verse, that's not enough. Because this verse, Paul says, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit, what? Of unity among yourselves. Apparently, in God's economy, unity, oneness, singleness of purpose, getting along, mutual love, that's a big deal. Jesus says, they will know you are Christians by your, not by your theology, not by your political persuasion. They will know you are Christians by the way you, you demonstrate unity, care, compassion, and oneness. Notice it says, among yourselves. It's huge. It's huge. So, begin to fill in your note outline. Here we go. For those who have been anxious to write something down. Number one. In this verse, as well as elsewhere, unity is an issue, once again, of the heart. Notice how this concept, these two ideas are melded together. May the God who gives endurance, endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus so that with one heart, singular, interesting, apparently, not only do I have a heart and you have a heart and, and uh, Donna, you've got a heart and Mary, you've got a Apparently, all of us also collectively have a heart so that with one heart, this whole idea, it's, it's an issue of the heart. Take a look at the next screen. Once again, when you have a healthy heart, when a church collectively, corporately, has a healthy heart, that's a reflection that there will be a healthy unity in that church. The converse is also true. If there's not healthy unity going on in a church, what's the stem reason, the base problem, the foundational issue? It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. Because if you've got a healthy heart, there will be healthy unity. One has to do with the other, and that's what the Bible seems to be telling us right here. We also see it in the book of Colossians. I think I've got this, verse, this passage printed for you. Over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in what? Perfect, look at the adjective, perfect unity. Then look at the next verse. Let the peace of Christ do what? Do you see a cause and effect relationship there? Apparently, the peace of Christ, Jesus will rule and reign in my heart that will produce unity in a church, in a marriage, in a friendship. Somehow, the heart Christ ruling in my heart will affect that. Now let me ask you a question. 
How would people evaluate you? How would you evaluate you? For example, are you one who encourages, supports, and contributes to the unity in your marriage, in your family, and in your church? Or would people characterize you as being a grumbler, a complainer, a whiner, that when an issue comes up regarding your name, do people roll their eyes or get a smile on their face? It's a hard issue, see? Boy, I, I'm, I'm really hoping that when people think of myself and Judy, the connotation would be they are, they, they are encouraging people. They are the kind of people that our church loves them. And that's my, I don't know. You know, I mean, I've got limited perce perception. I can only see me from me. How would people characterize you? How would your spouse characterize you? Man, I, she's an encourager, she's supportive. Um, yeah, just works really hard at maintaining unity in our marriage. Doesn't grouch and complain and gripe very often. I mean, it's just, you know what? It's an issue of the heart. Number two. I look at the verse carefully. This whole idea of unity and oneness and striving towards that, it will affect your relationship with God personally. Paul says, Romans 15, 6, so that with one heart and mouth you may do what? Glorify God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Apparently, there is a cause and effect relationship between to the degree I'm working really hard. It says make every effort to sustain the, 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 the unity of, of the family and the bond of peace. Make every effort. Am I making every effort in my marriage, in my church, in my relationships? Do I make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Because it will affect my ability to personally worship. And you've seen this in the Scripture before. If you're sitting in here this morning and you're bitter and mad and ticked off and resentful and mad at somebody, how are you going to worship the Lord? Is it any wonder that Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount says, by the way, if you've got something against somebody else, before offering your gift, what are you supposed to do? Go make it right. Why is that? Because you're not going to be able to worship properly. It, it will if you're not right this way, it will affect you this way. See, that's what the Bible's saying here. It's one of the keys in being able to worship God properly. Number three, unity doesn't just require effort. 
It requires prayer. Now, what I, what I, I don't want you to take from this, from this teaching this morning is, I just really, I'm just really going to bear down. I'm just really going to try harder. No, there's a, there is a level of that. And we'll talk about that in a few moments. But if you look carefully at, at the passage, once again, look at Romans 15, 5 and 6. What's Paul doing? He's praying. Did you notice that? He's praying. May the God who gives... He just doesn't say, you know what, try harder. He is praying about this issue of unity. I remember one of our previous churches where Judy and I served, bless her heart, she, she would tell me, Judy, my wife, I pray every day for the unity in our church. Every day. Man, it put me to shame. I was the pastor. I pray every day. When was the last time you prayed for unity in your marriage? When was the last time you prayed for unity in, our, in your family? Don't ever take that for granted. You can lose it like that. Friday night, it was such nice weather this weekend, and I told Judy I'm, I'm at school, and I gave her a call, and I said, you know what? I feel like brats on the grill. I feel like just, you know, barbecuing brats on the grill. So I said, I'm going to stop by up in Niles, Michigan. There's this little meat market called Shelton's on 933. Some of you have seen it. I'm going to stop by Shelton's. So I go in there. Well, the first place I went was up at Lowry's in Buchanan where I was teaching. Uh, 2.30 in the afternoon, there were 50 people standing at the meat counter. I didn't realize that Lowry's in Buchanan was that popular place. Some of you have bought meat there before. So I said, well, I'm going to go to Shelton's. So I'm standing at Shelton's, and I'm, you, know, you, you take a number, and then I can start looking at, I never realized, because they do all their, their brats handmade, I never realized there's that many brats. Sweet Italian, blueberry, ever had a blueberry brat? Apple, jalapeno cheddar cheese, and then regular. I got a coil of each. I got a coil of each, and I, and I put it in the bag, and I got home, and I kind of, when Judy goes, well, did you pick up brats for tonight? I, um, are the kids able to come over tonight? I kind of overbought. I guess you did, was her reason. So we called, we called the, 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 we have three sons. One of them lives in Brooklyn, New York, the, the one that just got married. The other two, one lives in Granger, one lives in South Bend by the airport. So we called them, yeah, we'll come over. This is great. So, so I, I, I grilled all these brats up there. Of course, the grandkids, they want hot dogs. But I, I, I grilled all the brats. We're eating this, these brats, and the guys are, you know, we're sitting around, we're chit-chatting and talking and laughing. We got two daughters-in-law and two boys and five little grandkids and junior Harrison. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm a lucky guy. I'm a lucky guy. Don't ever take that for granted. You can lose it like that. When was the last time you prayed for unity in your family? 
that is a precious commodity. Because people are people. People say things or do things, and we stay away from political conversations. You know, you know where that's going to go. Do you pray for you? And I'm going to give you a chance here at the end of the message. I'm going to, I just, I'm let you know up front. At the end of this message, I'm going to ask people to come forward and pray for unity in your church, unity in your family, and unity in your marriage. Why wouldn't you want to do that? Why wouldn't you want to do that? Paul prayed for unity. Jesus, high priestly prayer, John 17. This is his last shot, last shot before he goes to the cross. What was the essence of his prayer? Unity. Now, if I were Jesus, if I was the Savior, I'd be glad I'm not, that probably wouldn't have been what I prayed. I would have probably been praying, help me deal with the pain. Nails aren't fun. Get them. All these Jews and Romans had crucified me. Jesus prays for unity. How unlike Jesus we are. When was the last time I prayed for that? In my marriage, our family, our church. Isn't it interesting? He prioritizes this way up here. Where do you and I prioritize it? I'm not saying that to make you feel badly. I'm just saying that I am so unlike him, and that's why I need teaching. Number four. Notice I didn't say it's an automatic. It's possible. But Paul tells us, he gives us the secret. May God, here's his prayer, who gives endurance and encouragement, yay, I'm all for that, give you a spirit of unity among yourselves, great. Prayer's not going to cut it, though. As you follow Christ Jesus. That's what it's going to take. Growing Christians will produce growing unity. If I'm not growing, if, if, if I am not making progress in my maturing in Jesus... I'm going to have fallout in my marriage, fallout in my family, and probably be a stinker in my church. See? Because the Bible says it's going to require being good followers. Now, here we go. Application. And I've left a line there for each of these things. Here's what I think we need. This is what we, I'm just not giving you a pep talk here. This is what I believe we need to do as a result of this teaching. Number one. I need to confess, and I, I don't do that enough. I'm not really good at that. You want to know why? Not because I don't make mistakes. Because I'm proud. I'm selfish. And so are you. I need to confess where I have caused frustration, turbulence, and hurt. I need to own up to that in my marriage, in my family, in my church. Or do I, do I ever do that? Or do I just say, well, okay, we moved on? Well, maybe. So the first step, step, personal application is, I need to say, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. 
There's been things I've done and said and held attitudes that haven't been right towards Judy. Frustrations with the boys or the grandkids or extended family members. Don't go there, huh? Do I pray about it? Lord, where I have been part of the problem, forgive me. Number two, I need to make a fresh commitment. The Bible talks about Finding a, being a man of peace or finding a man of peace. When you go into that village, it says, search for a man of peace, a person of peace. I need to be that kind of person. And I need to be more careful in my approach. There's certain ways I need to approach people. And by the way, Judy and I were just talking about this the other day. She goes, there was a mess because somebody on Facebook decided to confront somebody else. And the minute they did that, a whole bunch of people jumped to this person's defense, and now it's World War III. Why would you do that? That's not a Facebook issue. The Bible doesn't say if you've got something against your brother, post it on Facebook. By the way, it's why I'm not on Facebook. My approach, my attitude, my word, you know what? I can be better. I can be better. I need to commit to be better. And finally, number three. I need to continue to pray, not just for unity, but pray to be a person who's a catalyst for unity rather than a person who brings frustration. I want to be a positive force, a catalyst for good, for unity in my marriage, my family, my home, my church. That's what I need to do. And that's what you need to do too. At least that's what the Bible says. What I'm going to ask you to do, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask Don and Bethany, if you would come to the instruments, please. I'm going to ask everybody to stand to your feet. This is what we're going to do. Would you please stand to your feet? And I'm just going to ask the ladies just to play something quietly. Put you on the spot, Donna. You know what? And Judy and I are going to come forward, and we're going to pray. We're going to pray. If you'd like to join us, you're more than welcome. But we're going to pray for unity in our marriage, unity in our family, and unity in our church because that's what God wants us to do. Okay? As I begin praying right now, I'm going to ask you to come forward, okay? Our Father, we want to thank you that you're a God of love, that you are a God who models unity, and that, Lord, you desire this. Thank you for the priority you established in your high priestly prayer because, Lord, you knew that if our church was not united, if our marriages were not growing and one, if our families were not exemplary, it was going to affect our outreach. How will we ever have a shaping influence on this world if we decide to, be, to bicker, to be upset, and be critical and grumble? And so, Lord, I'm praying this morning that you'd help us Lord, we confess where we have been part of the problem. We've had critical spirits. 
Our approach has not been right. Lord, we've been arrogant and proud. Forgive us for words that we have said that were better left unsaid. And God, I'm going to ask that you help us to commit to a higher standard. May we commit, Lord, to being a person of peace rather than a person of turbulence. Lord, help us to work hard in our own marriage and our own family to be uplifting and positive and complimentary and courteous. Forgive me for being a grouch. And Lord, I pray that we might continue to pray in the days ahead that we here at Beulah Missionary Church might be people who are united. That when people walk in these doors, they'll be able to sense there's a difference here. These people like each other. Lord, may we be supportive and encouraging. When we as leaders goof and mess up, Lord, may we be quick to say, you know what, that was a swing and a miss. Lord, grant us humility. Give us grace. And I pray, Lord, indeed, as we have just sung earlier, make us one. Make us one.